Hey friends, welcome to the 180 Season 1 Grand Finale. Not only are we sharing compelling stories of life transformation, but like we always say, God wrote your story, so it's already awesome, so why not share it? We're showing you how to share your own story just by listening to 180. We've walked you through the five points of every testimony so that you can have a way to give an answer for the hope that is in you. We're going to explain how to share your story from the BC to the AD with actual excerpts from the show as we highlight season one, today on 180. Where do you start when sharing your story? We like to call it the BC, before Christ. Start at the beginning. What was your faith background? What was your view of God? What misguided theology did you have? Explain what life was like before you did it with Jesus. Here's some examples from our season one guests. You have different denominations. And it's the same way with Muslims. You know, you have Shia Muslims and, and you know, all different types of sects of right. Muslim. And so uh, the Nation of Islam is, you know, ran by Farrakhan. Mm -hmm. And we would go to the mosque and, you know, we prayed all the time. Prayer, we even had a room in our house that we prayed and we didn't eat any pork, you know. I just couldn't believe what these guys were saying. And so I, I could not even put my mind to that. There's mm -hmm. a God. Like, I could not put my mind to it at the time. Mm -hmm. Because how could that be with what I was seeing? Mm -hmm. I, I just could not believe, like, this could not be the God we're worshiping. And so, right, walking through the neighborhood, you're forced to see the things that I guess my mom tried to protect me from. And it was normal for me. I guess the younger I was, I think God was like, when it would rain outside, and then you'd be thinking like, oh man, God's angry. You know what I mean? Like, just like, just stuff like that. You know, yeah. I freaked out as a kid. I guess the younger I was, I had that kind of like fearful, kind of like God is like scary type of thought of God. Yeah, yeah. We went to church, um, not just Sunday morning, but Sunday night, Wednesday night, any other time the church hmm. was open, we were we were pretty much there. Initially, I was actually born in Karachi, Pakistan. And okay. at a young age, at the age of three, my family won the lottery for citizenship. So we were all super lucky and blessed to come over to the States. Okay, I'm a Muslim. And I, I can fully dedicate myself to that. And, and that's mm -hmm. what I did. My father and my grandparents on his side were Christian scientists. And yeah. so his family, which were five kids, all grew up as Christian scientists. So they would show us how the jihadists there would go and kill the soldiers, the invaders. And how is that glorious? There are books there, the curriculums that teach yeah. you how to hate the Christians and Jews and, you know, other things that's mm. not, uh, it's not based on love. My mother prayed to idols, a lot of Hindu idols. So I would pray to the elephant god and to the god of money, to the god of education. So gods, I will pray to for a specific need. So Mormonism is... Uh... I would describe it as a works-based righteousness to where the individual, although there is an emphasis in faith placed in Christ and his atoning work on the cross, that faith in Jesus's work alone is not sufficient for an individual to have eternal life in the presence of God. He is creator and judge 
of the universe and all people, but like all you have to do is not be as bad as that person. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You'd think I just grew up believing, you know, all the things in the Bible, but I didn't understand it. It might have been told mm. to me and I just didn't have the ears to hear it, but I did not connect with Jesus. I follow my parents as Taiwan traditional religion, which I not believe it, but I just follow them. And I don't think I believe anything when I was in that period. In my childhood, I'd say I was a pretty good kid. I, I had a really good upbringing. I lived in a really good neighborhood. I had great friends. I loved playing outside. Yeah, sports were kind of my life growing up. I remember very distinctly as a boy, my grandfather saying to me, you know, I was born a Hindu, I'll die a Hindu. Hmm. So it's that sort of just wow. staunch yes. Hinduism within the home. So after you've established where you were before Christ, go to your rock bottom, the part where you felt the furthest from God. Think, was there a point where you actually were at an all-time low, where you cried out to God or maybe realized the sin that was in your life? See, a lot of folks... They really like to skip this part, but when you're sharing your story with someone, it's important to share this part because it helps them connect with you. So here are some rock bottom clips from the show. I was in so much pain that I just, I prayed. Like I said to God, I get it. You're there, hmm. but I won't follow you because you're not good. Whoa. If something, and I don't know what that something would be, but if something didn't happen, if something didn't change, that I would be dead within a year. I remember walking in there. I was terrified because, you know, you see all these statues made of clay and they look terrifying. But I remember just sitting down in one of the pews by myself and just crying and saying, if there's somebody out there, rescue me, take me out of here. I don't want this life. So as I'm going through life, wearing this mask, it's kind of taking on a role of its own. Losing my identity, I start behaving in ways that I normally wouldn't, being rebellious at times, and then consequences would come in. And there's a point I almost beat my mom. Wow. There is a time in life, I actually, man, I'm like, God, thank you, I never did it. My yeah. grandma was, was yelling at me. And I walked over to grab her throat and she was like 80 years old. But as I was walking to grab her throat, I tripped on an iron sheet and it cut my, my toe and I couldn't reach her. And I'm like, God, maybe that's you trying to prevent me from killing my own grandma because you never know what would have happened. Yeah. And I enjoy sin. The taste of sin is tasty and I don't want to give that up. So uh, if he exists, then he would punish me. And I don't want to lose out on fun and pleasure of sin. And so we're talking about rock bottom moment. Well, my rock bottom moment was the church is not true. The, the very institution to which I have dedicated my life is not built on the true saving gospel of Jesus. It, wow. it is built on a false gospel. And, and I was terrified. And I was terrified because... Everything that I knew and believed and avowed was was washed away. And so my rock bottom was, well, what do I do now? I mean, this this mm -hmm. whole life that I know and love yeah. is so invested culturally, relationally into Mormonism and, and this understanding that Mormonism isn't true. 
means that my life moving forward will never be the same, that I can never go back to the only life that I had ever known and, and loved. Yeah, that which yeah, yeah. has been so good, so I thought, has yeah. left me empty, desolate, wow. utterly enslaved, captive to this needle. Ten years of thinking that like I am yeah. living the life, and within a couple months, I am the scum of the earth. Are you serious? You feel where you're at? You know what's coming. Tick, tock, tick. Tick, wow. tick. That's what goes wow. on in the mind of a heroin addict every day. You, this is not a beloved anymore. Well, when I got back to my car 5, 5.30, and the snow yeah. had melted, I saw my car was so far off in every direction from a actual <laughs> parking spot. And the <laughs> Lord told me, this is your life. And I was like, what? Oh, wow. This is your life. You are yeah. missing my mark because you are setting up next to other people and other people aren't mm. the mark. You're not a goody two shoes. Oh, wow. You yeah. are missing my mark. My mark is far from where you are living your life. Like when you go to the ocean and then you're going deeper, it's warmer. So it's like a, a huge black hole and then you try to fill something in. You throw a lot of stuff in there, but it's still empty. As you're diving into the things that the world has to offer, you don't want to actually believe something that will cut you off from that. Mm -hmm. It becomes something that you see as a hindrance to spoil my fun, basically. So I feel like that was sort of the impulse behind that period of time where I was functionally atheist and actually trying to disprove Christianity. I remember that night when I was the first one to go to the hospital and saying to God, I don't have the strength to deal with mm. you right now. Huh. Yeah. But but I would like to. This is so unfair. But when I when I do have the time and the energy and the strength to really deal with this, I do have some questions for you. Okay, so after you've shared that you were far from the mark, now you tell your story by explaining how you got out of the pit. And don't just go to the part where you became a Christian and without taking the person that you're sharing it with. Um, you know, on the journey with you. Uh, we call this the turning point. Think about what people or situations helped point you in the direction of Jesus. Was there an event that got your attention in a powerful way? Was there something that was starting to help you see truth? Here are some more examples. And then um, the next day, she started taking me to church. She asked me if I wanted to go to church, and I was like, okay, if you guys give me lunch afterwards, uh, sure. <laughs> I went to jail just so God could have a conversation with me hmm. because going to jail a Muslim and then I ended up getting, I don't know how, but I had favor. Hmm. <laughs> Come on, favor in jail. That's something new. And uh, I ended up in the kitchen and a guy in my, in my division said, hey, come to church with me. And hmm. I'm like, I'm a Muslim. You know, I can't go to church with you. And he was like, Oh man, thanks, but you know, I'm I'm not doing that anymore. Things are good. And I was like, ah, come on, you you know, Jesus freak. <laughs> so let's at least go drink some beers or something. He was like, yeah. no, it's all good. You know, wow. uh, things are great. Fast forward a couple of months to my crisis time. I'm like, man, who who has the answers? Who has it all together? And then I thought back to this friend of mine wow. who had gone through this drug rehab wow. called Teen Challenge. Hmm. And so I was like, okay. And I remember going in and just screaming, somebody's shooting, please help. Please, somebody call 911. And everybody just looking at me like I was 
absolutely nuts. Oh my gosh. And just saying it again, like, what are you people staring at? Like, why is nobody moving? And so we start hanging out and, you know, he's sharing different stories with me. And I have a lot of questions about the faith and he's explaining things. One is the billboard advertising sign along the highway. Christ is coming. Are Mm -hmm. you ready? We, We went by that sign multiple times every day. And I remember being with my dad and, and all it had, and that's all it had on it. So it was kind of scary looking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd ask my dad, like, what does this mean? And he goes, I don't know. Yeah. And in the Christ is coming part, we thought, okay, we're okay with that. But are you ready part is what threw us off. Um, yeah. Ready for what? What do we have to be ready for? And what is this about him coming back? What's he going to do? You know, type of thing. Even though we did not believe he was God, it still kind of scared us a little bit. and (laughs) made us question, you know, like, hey, are we believing the truth? I want you to come to church. And I said, you're withholding food, so I come to church. Like, is that the way you guys roll? And she was like, I'll make you a whole corned beef dinner just for yourself. You can take home all the leftovers. Wow. She's like, you can come over. We'll eat. If you come to church on Sunday, I said, you're bribing me to come to church. And she's like, yeah, I just don't think you will. This is the turning point. Darkest place in my life, utterly helpless, utterly enslaved. Six months of prayer, of tossing up these Marley influence. Uh. I'm dead, sir. That's all I got. That's all I got. Tossing up these prayers. And our neighbor was actually a teacher in Sunday school there. And I will go with her every time she goes. And now here's the part where you can tell how you started following Jesus. We call this the coming to Jesus. And it's different for everybody. So just share how it happened with you. Um, it's unique, you know, and it's okay. Uh, this is the part where, you know, a lot of times a new believer starts to read the Bible like crazy, or they learn a spiritual truth, or they start understanding something they never understood before. Share that in your coming to Jesus part. And I saw my life, all of it, everything I did, everything I got away with, the times I just barely made it free from a bad situation. Mm. I saw my life pass before my eyes. Mm. I call it God playing the tape. Mm. And um, that was the first time I had experienced God's love. You know, when I got saved, I didn't experience the, the that. Like mm. everyone says, like God's going to give you this big hug. Mm. I got, if, the, if the, the, the acts of the Lord is at the base of your tree. And I stood up and I accepted Jesus. Wow. And um, because I, I, I just felt that God was saying like, I've given you all these chances. And so, uh, but then they told me, hey, well, you know what you get for this? Here, re- read this verse in the Bible. And they had it highlighted for me and handed me this Bible. And I was like, uh, the wages of sin is death. <laughs> I was like, man, that's what I deserve. You know, yeah. and something inside of me was saying, yeah, what these guys are saying out of the Bible, it's all, it's all true. Hmm. And you need to listen. So, but the the wages of sin is death. But then they said, we'll read the last part. But the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life through Mm. Christ Jesus our Lord. And that just really blew me away. I wasn't scared. I was resting in the very presence of God. And and after that, I, I don't know how long it was, but I remember distinctly, you're going to share this love to everyone you encounter. And then, I, I woke up, I was still standing in the middle of that room and it was daytime. 
I felt the joy of God in my heart all over me. I felt the Holy Spirit speaking to me, speaking inside me. It was, it was just wonderful and, and a powerful moment I had with God over there at the altar. Wow. Then I closed my eyes and I remember, you know, all of a sudden I heard a loud noise and I opened my eyes and the doors of the balcony at my hotel opened and a light shined into the room and a voice saying, come to me. And I'm on my bed. I can see the blankets on me and I can see the, the doors of the balcony on my right side. And I was scared, you know, it's like bright light shining to my face. Imagine yourself walking the street and someone, you know, dark street, someone shined the high beam in your face. So it's, it's yeah. clearing me with the sound. And so I'm like, come where? I'm on my bed. And as I'm trying to avoid this bright light, I, you know, looked at the other side of the room and I saw a picture of a house with white pillars. I've never seen that picture before in my life. So the voice said, go to the house with the white pillars. I started reading and I couldn't put it down. And there in the pages of what I now know to be God's word, I met the most kind and compassionate and loving human being who had ever lived. It was through the pages of God's word that I met Jesus. I looked up in the ceiling. I melted, bro. You are real. You are really real. <laughs> That's what I, I'm dead serious. I look it up. I'm like, you heard. You heard. So, you know, here's the, here's the thing. Really, no, people are at different progressions. God's writing everybody's story. For me, it was a process. I consider myself a process yeah. Christian. God is real. <laughs> Oh my gosh, he let me stay. So now I need to believe him whole my life because, yeah. Yeah. There's a burden that God took away from me because he did, He wants me to be a better person. That changed my life. I couldn't resist that love. I couldn't resist that forgiveness. And I said, you know what? That That love, how can I say no to it? For sure, it is the right one. For sure, yeah. he deserves to be God because he's the one who's paying it wow. instead of me. He knows I cannot do it. He did it for me. And that night, I just gave my heart to him. And I said, you know what? I surrender. And I want you to lead me and help me to know more about you. I don't want to live with these secrets and these lies and this deception anymore. Mm. I just want to be free, be free of all that and like give you my life and start living the way that you want me to. Wow. I think it was really that simple. Like for yeah. me, like I just kind of took that step towards him and that's when i start that's when i started seeing him really start to change me friends you might be tempted to end your story here but remember coming to jesus is just the beginning of your new life so make sure to share the next part too we call this the 80 after deliverance explain here how your new life has fulfilled your hindrances or your hang-ups from your bc life how does life have a new meaning how did you change? What happened? I really came alive. We did evangelism every day. I loved it. Like, I felt like, I was like, this is like what I'm made to do. Like, wow. Like, was like the call. Getting, uh, they wanted me uh, for good behavior mm. three months. Wow. And I remember that the warden had uh, sent for me that I could get out. And I said I didn't want to get out. Whoa. Because I was sold out. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. And, and I said, so we're going to. And so I had a meeting with the warden and I said, 
we're going to empty this prison. You're going to have to look for a job. <laughs> I used to walk my neighborhood. I used to walk the apartment complex and every door that was open because somebody knocked on my door. I yeah. wanted I wanted to do that. It is incredible because when I fill out the whole application, I send all the paperwork. I never lied. I told them, I'm, really, I'm a missionary here. I'm walking the streets. I'm doing church planting with my parents, which we were. And I'm telling people about Jesus. And this is why I want to stay in this country. Wow. I got to solidify this. Started going to more regularly to Brooklyn Tabernacle and with my uncle. And I, the things that I saw there, you just can't unsee. Their Tuesday night prayer meetings were just powerful. After that experience with God, I just started diving deep into the Bible, really. Like, I just right. studying, like, reading, like, day in, day out. I would skip meals. A very aha moment. And it goes back to, the, was it the Ephesians? Raised children up, right? And where you go. Yeah. So I did. I, I, knew, I knew where to go. Yeah. And that's whenever I started being like, okay, God. And I started going back to church. And I started reading my Bible again and actually having conversations that weren't at God. Yeah. Listening yeah. to God, talking to God. Yeah. About things. And he slowly started guiding me. Hmm. Make it look like I was enjoying the weather, although it was really yeah. hot. It's like 120 Fahrenheit. Anyhow. So. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice drive. <laughs> so I drove there and I was just praying, Lord, make a way. You are the way. Make a way for me, hmm. if that is your will. May hmm. your name be glorified. So I, I went through the security and they did not even look at me. They scanned my ID card and let me in. And the UAE side... Oh, the same. They did not notice the car I was pieced together with duct tape. <laughs> and I believed him. And that was like the censure for me that he has made that all new. And I was ordained. Wow. And I every morning I wake up still in awe that I get to do the work that I get to do, that I get to combine God and helping. Thinking to myself, you know what? It, it, it doesn't matter what I lose or what I give up or what I walk away from because I have found something that mm. is infinitely greater than anything that this world has ever offered me. And, and I uh. had tasted everything religiously, academically, athletically. You know, I had reached the pinnacle of, of everything that I had done in my life, and I had never found anything that had fully satisfied me until Christ had filled that void in my heart. And so I knew that Jesus was the all-sufficiency of my every need. Would they ask me to renounce my faith and, and thinking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego saying, even if our God doesn't save us, we will still not bow down. And yeah. so what does that mean for me right now? Would I renounce my faith? Now, this is quite possibly a sure death that I'm walking into. But in spite of that, could I hold strong to what God is doing at this moment? And that was a pivotal moment for me to say, I'd say to God, I will be thankful. I am appreciative of all the lessons you've taken me through. Um, and this, will, this moment will count. Friends, we have so appreciated you all listening to 180. If you want to see which guest said what and where to find the show, check out the transcript on our website. The link is in our show notes. Remember, God wrote your story, so it's already awesome and it's definitely worth sharing. We actually have a handy tool on our website that can help you write your story in just two minutes. You'll find helpful writing prompts so that you can write your own 180 so that you will have an answer for the hope that is in you. And maybe you will be able to be a guest on our show. 
Find it at 180podcast.com. That's O-N-E-80 podcast.com. The link is in the show notes. And tune in in the next two weeks for our season two opener with Dr. Jorge Valdez, the drug lord who turned to the Lord of all. It is an awesome show. It will blow you away. And then uh, Interpol came and and got us, picked us up like a sack of potatoes, took us to Miami. And in Miami, I was charged with heading the largest drug conspiracy in the history of America. Hmm. Listen, every choice we make becomes part of the, of the story of our life. The question is what type of story we want to tell. But hmm. I believe that the great thing about America and about Christ and faith is that we can redeem ourselves. Mm. And, and our story does not have to end the way that it begins, mm. that we can change. Sending us off today, we have T.C. Boyd, the artist, with his song, Open the Door, inspired in episode 16 with Micah Wilder's story. I know you feel like you've been searching, but all that pain here still lurking. And the surgery's urgent to cut out all the heavy burdens to try to keep your heart from hurting. I'm telling you that you can be free if you just believe, then you'll receive. But how can you believe if we never teach? And what good is an arm if we never reach? Lord, help us be a light to somebody that's hurting in the world. We all know somebody. We're all just people and we need somebody. God, can you help us all just to reach somebody's life? I know we all fall, but I can hear a savior call. Tear down those walls. I can hear a savior call. It's our job after all to open the door. I know the world feels cold, 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 yeah. And sometimes you don't know which way to go, go, go. I'll open the door, I'll open the door, I'll open the door. If you knock, I'll come, I'll open the door, I'll open the door, I'll open the door. Just wait, I'll come, open the door. I know sometimes your life feels crazy You wanna get ghosts like Swayze The future looks hazy No motivation coming lately You know you need a change greatly Stuck in the thoughts of your mind Now you wishing you had time to rewind All the regrets of your mind Meanwhile church folks just chatting online And never reach out while inside They don't know you're dying Lord, help us be a light to somebody that's hurting in the world. We all know somebody. We're all just people and we need somebody. God, can you help us all just to reach somebody's life? I know we all fall, but I can hear a savior call. Tear down those walls. I can hear a savior call. It's our job after all to open the door. I know the world feels cold, 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 yeah. And sometimes you don't know which way to go, go, go. I'll open the door, I'll open the door, I'll open the door. If you knock, I'll come, I'll open the door, I'll open the door, I'll open the door. Just wait, I'll come, open the door, open the door, I know the world open the door. Open the door, open the door, well I just open the door, no, no, I'll open the door, open the door, open the door, I'll come, I'll open the door, open the door, open the door. 180 is a production of One Way Ministries.